0: When someone asks you a question that is just incredibly obvious, you usually respond with, well, duh. So I'm going to give you that opportunity here, okay? I'm going to ask you a question, and you have an opportunity to respond that way. Have you ever been anxious? Well, duh, of course. Everyone's been anxious. We're all anxious about something at, at one time or another in our lives, The root of the word that's used in the New Testament for anxious carries with it an undertone of distraction. The the idea that when you're anxious about something, you're distracted. That thing has got your attention. And what it does for us who are believers, it distracts us from God. And so we're unable to see God and His answer to whatever's going on in our lives because we're distracted by the thing that we're anxious about. But also, the word means to be pulled in different directions. You know how it works. When you're anxious about something, hope pulls you in one direction. But fear pulls you in the other. And what happens is, you end up being pulled apart. It usually manifests itself with us saying things like this. You know, I I want to trust God, but what if? You know how that works. I want to trust God, but what if I don't have enough money? I want to trust God, but what if I lose my job in the process? I want to trust God, but what if I fail? I want to trust God, but what if I get sick? That's the way we usually think. You're pulled in one way to trust God, but yet you're pulled in the other by either real or imagined Situations in your life that's calling, causing you anxiety. Now, if I had to guess, I would say that we've gone through different levels of anxiety or being anxious or worry, if you want to call it that. Some people just have kind of momentary twinges of it. You're, you're anxious about something for a moment, but then all of a sudden you realize, hey, God's in control of this, so it relieves it. Sometimes you're anxious about something and it ends up controlling you. And then sometimes people are are so anxious about things that it ends up destroying them. In fact, the National Institute of Mental Health says that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States affecting 40 million people. That's 18% of the U.S. population a year. That's a lot of anxiety. Now, maybe your anxiety is not to the point where it really is considered a a disorder. But you're probably anxious about something now. Or you have been recently. Or you will be in the near future. So what's the answer? If we don't want to be pulled in two different directions, if if we don't want to, to be distracted, then what do we do? Well... Philippians 4, 6 and 7 has some words for us. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. At Clarksburg Baptist Church, we believe that prayer connects us with God's power. You may say, well, wait a minute. Should, shouldn't it be prayer connects us with God's peace? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Prayer is a big topic. When I was looking at it as a core value, as I have some of the other core values we've been looking at, it, it seems like, man, there's just there's so much that you could say. How, how do you narrow it down to, to really what you want to talk about or what that core value really means for the church? And this scripture, which was adopted as, as, to, as a part of our core value by the church, really says it all. Because it talks about an area in, in our prayer life where we really need some help a lot of times. And that's when it comes to when we are anxious about things. Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave him this beautiful model prayer. We know it is the Lord's Prayer. It's beautiful. It's a great model for us to follow. But the same Jesus who gave his disciples this wonderful prayer, not too long after that, finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's there with Peter and James and John. And he tells them to wait for him while he goes to pray. And in Matthew 26, we read this. Then he said to them... This is Jesus speaking... My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's Jesus. And then he says... Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther... He fell with his face to the ground and prayed... My father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Then we look back in Scripture, in the Psalms. King David. This is the David that slew the giant Goliath when he was just a little boy. And in Psalm 130, we find David crying out and saying, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Jeremiah in Lamentation says, I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. And Jonah, from the inside, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Do you see a pattern? kind of mirrors our reality. Because all of us, at some time in our lives, either have or will, find ourselves in a situation where we are really not sure how to pray. I mean, if you look at what happens here, you have David who is in the depths. You have Jesus who is overwhelmed to the point of death. You have Jeremiah, who's in a pit, and you have Jonah, who's in a whale, but you find him deep in the realm of the dead. Their prayers here are not formulas. Their prayers here can be summed up in one word. Help. Help. That's their prayer. They are in situations where they don't know the answer. They are in situations where a formula prayer is probably not going to do the trick right now. And all they can do is cry out for help. Well, God heard Jesus cry and He gave him strength to face the cross. Uh, He heard Jonah's prayer and He delivered him. He heard David's prayer and He delivered him. All cries for help. But I love the words in Lamentations where Jeremiah says, You came near when I called you, and you said, Do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. Help was his prayer. And it says God came near when he called and told him not to fear. God, in all of these cases, heard their cries for help. And it was the power of God that brought them out of their situations. Now... Sometimes people will say to me, I, I, I just don't know how to pray in a particular situation. Sometimes people are dealing with, with illness or finances or all sorts of things that go on in people's lives. And they'll say, I, I just don't know how to pray. Well, if you don't, you can say, Help. Help. That's what these people did. And God answered their prayers. Just call to Him, He hears. But not only does he hear, but he also answers. So, while God certainly answers our call for help, I really think what God wants from us, though, is to develop a prayer life that maybe lessens the number of these situations that come into our lives or that maybe eliminates all these anxious situations altogether. I mean, certainly God's going to answer us when we are in trouble. But what God really wants us to do is to develop a relationship with Him that's constant and it's ongoing and in a way is preventative. So that's what we're going to look at today. How do you develop this closeness? It's been said that that when we pray, we are spending time in God's presence. Prayer draws us closer to God, and when we do that, good things happen. Prayer connects us with God's power. In His presence, we find the the power that is needed for guidance and for joy and for hope and for something else that's very important. I want to go back to the Philippians passage that we read just a moment ago. Uh, Looking at verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4, he says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He doesn't just say pray about it. He says, "Here's, here's how I want you to do this. He uses three words to describe prayer. He says, present your request to God by prayer, by petition, and with thanksgiving. And each contributes to our understanding of the comprehensive nature of, of the prayer life that we really need. First one is to present your request to God by prayer. The word prayer, if we had to define it, we might have a, a tough time. We might say, well, it, it, it's talking to God. Maybe that's our, our definition of prayer, and certainly that's a part of it. But, but the word prayer actually carries with it the idea of adoration or devotion or worship. In other words, prayer is indeed spending time in God's presence, but it's doing it with an attitude of worship. When we're spending time alone with God, when we're spending time alone with God with a worshipful attitude, when we're worshiping God, we we don't have time to pay attention to all these things that want to distract us over here. When we are focused on God then we don't have time to focus on the things that we're anxious about. And the more we focus on God, the more we see His greatness, and the more that we realize that whatever is going on in our lives, this great God can take care of it. So when we come to God in prayer, we should do it with a heart of worship. And the second thing he says is to present your request to God by petition. A petition is the heartfelt sharing of our, our needs or our problems. Uh, it has a connection to spiritual intensity. Uh, in fact, Paul illustrates it in Romans 15 when he invites them to join him in the struggle by praying. And also writing to the Colossians, he says, uh, talks about wrestling in prayer. It's that idea there's an intensity, there's a spiritual intensity to it. But the third thing is that we're to present our request to God with thanksgiving. You know, often we are eager, we are eager to ask, but we are less eager sometimes to say thank you and to express our gratitude. We are, are quick to ask and slow to appreciate But an attitude of thanksgiving should always accompany every approach that we have to God. Bottom line is this. Don't worry about anything. And in the spirit of thanksgiving, pray about everything. But not just when things have reached the crisis situation. Make this your life, your prayer life. Do it every day. Every day. You can't just wait till things get bad and say, oh, i got to go back and do what Paul said to do. No, he intends for this to be part of your life all the time. If you really want to stem the tide of anxiousness in your life, he says this is how to do it. But there's also a promise that's attached to it. Prayer connects us with God's power, and here's the promise in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you ask me to give you a definition of anxiety or being anxious or worry, I would describe it as a thief that robs you of your joy. That's what it is. It's a thief that robs you of your joy. So how do you prevent a thief from breaking in and stealing your joy? How do you do it at home? How do you try to prevent thieves from breaking in and stealing? Well, you have good security. And that's what's offered to us when we develop this kind of prayer life. The results of the right kind of prayer is that the peace of God will guard our heart and our mind. The word guard here implies to guard like a soldier. In other words, peace stands on duty. And peace keeps watch and keeps out anything that would cause us anxiety or worry in our lives. Now, the peace of God stands guard in two areas where we find ourselves being anxious the heart where we have all these anxious feelings and the mind where we have all these anxious thoughts we saw last week that when we come and accept Christ as our savior that we have peace with God in other words we are forever freed from the penalty of sin But here he's talking about the peace of God, which goes a step farther. It doesn't mean that we will not continue to have difficult times on the outside. But what it does mean is that we will have a quiet confidence on the inside when we have the peace of God. Someone once described it as a secure mind. I like that. That that when we have the peace of God, we have a secure mind. We don't have a mind that's that's always being robbed of its joy. But rather, we have a secure mind. And he says, it passes all understanding. Literally, it means the, the peace of God that is passing all understanding. In other words, it's continuous, it's ongoing. And Paul does not ever envision a situation... Or a circumstance where it would not fulfill its duty. When he says the peace of God that passes all understanding. Will, will guard your heart and mind. He never envisions that at some point. Something might slip by it. It's consistent. It's there. It's constant. It's trustworthy. It's something that's always there. And he says it transcends all understanding. Basically that uh, peace excels. Over knowledge. Now, there are situations where knowledge is insufficient, but knowledge, when we try to figure things out on our own, oftentimes that's what leads us to being anxious. Because we start looking at facts and we start calculating and we start figuring. And that's not what it is. The peace of God is beyond our understanding. We pray, we follow the pattern here. And we trust God to guard our heart and our mind and not spend all our time trying to figure out how he's doing it or why he's doing it. That's not part of the deal. Prayerful people are peaceful people. And his peace cannot always be explained, but his peace is always, always sufficient for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Indeed, he cares for us, and that's great news. But not only does he care, but he acts, and he guards our heart and our mind. And we can know that peace if we trust him. Let's pray.